0: We have Saul. He's alive, but I watched them take him away.
1: We have to save him. Yeah! yeah.
0: No. We have to save King Dendup. We don't have time or the bodies to do both.
1: He's your brother.
0: That's what Saul would want. What he would expect and I expect the
1: same from everyone in this room. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Buto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the Clone Army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure, because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, Onderon's true king, Ramses Dendup,
0: accused of treason and sentenced to execution. Will the conflicted General Tandon have the courage to bring hope to the Rebellion and aid in the rescue of Dendum against the dastardly King Rash and the separatist droids.
1: Hey, troops! It's your old buddy Boucho, a Clone Wars rookie. On my first ever watch of the Clone Wars, And next to me in the dropship, on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars, he's the stealer to my sword. It's your trusty Pal Robbie. Freedom to Andorran. <laughs> and we are going to talk about the ninety-first episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. It's written by Chris Collins, and it's directed by Kyle Dunleavy, and it's season five, episode four, The Soft War. So, Robbie, how about we roll out with you letting us know what you remembered about The Soft War before you rewatched it again this week?
0: Well, this is one of those episodes that makes you learn really, really important things, like how King Rash really loves his fruit. Yeah. He's just constantly... No.
1: Now, uh this one You is, know, wonder if he was watching Oceans <laughs> Eleven a lot before this role, right? It's like he's watched Brad Pitt always eating something and he's thought, That's a good move. I'm gonna always eat something.
0: Yeah. We're yeah, we're gonna have our villain just constantly eating things. But uh no, this is one where things start to go down and things start to open up and, and you start to see the rebellion make the change. Because, I mean, I I couldn't remember, again, when you're watching a bunch of arcs and you binge this show, some things are gonna, you're not gonna remember exactly what happens in what episode, of course, I've said that before, but this one is one where, you know, that I remember that the rebellion really starts to take hold, not only to the, the people, but the people in charge, too. You know, some of the, you know, the general gets involved here, and the, I mean, there's just a lot of things that happen in this episode that turn the tide.
1: Yeah, after I spent the last episode being kind of underwhelmed by King Rash, his storyline really kind of burst into life in this one with the introduction of a contentious relationship between Kalani, the new tactical droid we met at the end of the last episode, and General Tandon, and I thought this relationship was fun. So it's not necessarily even that King Rash has suddenly become interesting, but they've given him some offsiders that are actually interesting. But one thing I was surprised about with this episode was that King Rash didn't use the taking out of the power generator in the previous episode as a way to turn the public against the rebels. This was something I don't think I noted in the last episode that it seemed like their plan to take out the power generator could backfire on them. You're trying to get the public on your side and then you're going to pitch them into blackness? You know, it seemed like something that King Rash would use against them and he even mentions in the last episode we can use this against them, but it never comes to anything in this episode which was odd but I don't want to hear I am already being negative I'm a lot more positive I mean spoiler alert I'm a lot more positive about this episode than I have been about the previous two on episodes and one of the things that has improved is that Saw has a lot of strong moments in this episode and it's not just that he has some great action beats but he really shines here in his little chat with General Tandon after he gets captured where he's shown to be more than just an egotistical hothead he's shown to have some kind of philosophical underpinning to his character that just wasn't present in the previous episodes. And now I feel like I know Saw. So. Now I feel like there's a hook to Saw. All of a sudden, I'm interested in Saw Guerrero
0: Yeah, and it's one of those things where sometimes when you sacrifice character to have an action scene, you miss a little opportunity there. And I almost feel like, and I mean, there's no way you could have had this conversation, you know, in the last episode, just because of the way things play out. But at the same time, it's one of those things where, again, to me, character is always more important than plot. And if you can if you can get the characters to where they feel real and they feel like someone that you want to root for, then the story will come and the plot will come and and it will it will all kind of fall into place. And I feel like like you said this is the episode where things really fall into place, not only for, you know, our understanding of the characters in their place, but the way that, you know, that they start to turn the tide. I mean, at the very beginning you know, Stila is taking the opportunity to win people over, and it's one of those things that I really like about the way that they use those big holograms. It's just a way for them to talk to the people and to to almost explain themselves, and I mean, I just think that's cool. I just, I really like the way that that goes down, and I mean, you not only have Saw, you know, his character grow in this episode more than than it has anywhere else, but you also see him looking pretty awesome taking out that AAT at the beginning too. It's uh yeah, you know him flipping around, and I mean I really really enjoyed that kind of stuff too.
1: Yeah, that was a where he takes out that tank at the start where he's. All of a sudden, he's this hyper-competent soldier. It could have felt too rushed, you know, because we saw him in a previous episode. He couldn't even get a hang of throwing in a droid popper. But it was just so badass, I just went with it. And I actually watched that sequence five times. <laughs> we it starts where we get a cool shot sort of following him in as he blasts a couple of droids. We're sort of behind his back following him in on the way to the tank. And then we get a shot from the front where he drops a bomb into the lower hatch first. He never breaks his stride the whole time he's running, right? And then we get a fun, oh no, from the battle droid in the top hatch (laughs) as Saw vaults up using the cannon barrel. And then he blasts the droid in the top hatch with his blaster and drops a couple of detonators in before leaping to the ground as it explodes. And I didn't know if I was ever going to see an anti-tank scene to rival Master Yoda's awesome anti-tank scene from Ambush all the way back in Season 1, Episode 1. But this one is right up there. And like I said, I watched it five times. And it's not just that Saw becomes... Much more interesting to me in this episode. Steela steps up as well and she gets this moment of truth when Dono bursts in to report that Saw has been captured and Steela declares that they must prioritize the king and not her brother and you can feel that conflict in her. It's in the performance of that the animators give her. It's in the performance of Dawn Lion Gardner who's playing Steela and it helps that they bring in Ramses Dend up as well and he has an interesting couple of things that he says in a short amount of time. For one thing, he tells Saw that he believed both the separatist confederacy and the Republic are corrupt. He doesn't think there is necessarily a good guy, but he blames himself for the whole mess, and he insinuates to Saw that if he had just chosen a side, then he would still be king. So he hadn't really been a character in the previous episodes. He just had this sort of odd thing where he'd get called up in front of the king. King Rash would shout at him for having some sort of contact with the rebels, which those things just didn't make sense because King Rash, you know, had him locked up. So... King Ramses, or Ramses Dend-Up, he's not the king, right? He would point this out to, I don't know, those scenes didn't make sense, but aside from that, I thought that Ramses Dendup up really stood up and became a character that was also interesting in this episode.
0: Yeah, I really, that, that whole scene with King Rash, with Kalani, Tandon, dendup up all of those scenes, they really work for me in this episode, especially because, like, for me, I like the idea of someone being overthrown, basically tossed in prison, then the people start to rise up and he plays it even though i mean it is true he has nothing to do with it but he's really playing that up because i think that's something that is important because that makes his eventual release from prison it almost hits harder for the people right that i had nothing to do with this but you know what these people are right and we've got to rise up and we got to do this It really hits hard. He
1: even says to Saw when he turns up, are you with those meddlers out there? You know, he's clearly, he clearly has nothing to do with it.
0: Right. I really like the idea that he ends up being sort of this, the the figurehead that they all rally around. And I love the Kalani tandem dynamic, you know, between them. That was probably one of my favorite single scenes in a very, very short time. You get to see two points of view that are on one side, but you see two different ways to look at a problem. And I just really, really enjoyed seeing that.
1: Well, of course, in that Danden and Kalani scene, we get more electrocution, Robbie. We're never that far away from an electrocution scene when we're watching the Clone Wars. Right. And speaking of technology, I mean, this is is not the best thing we've ever done, but how do you like this force field guillotine? That's a really striking and fresh and inventive use of Star Wars technology that I've never seen before i mean i don't know if it's you've come across anything like that before but well, it was
0: you know at first i was like what did they do just force his head down on it you know because like i thought it was like a big laser yeah. kind of thing and then the way that it's the way that it's done it's almost like
1: the show with a piece of old king rash's fruit right old fruit eater himself yeah put a bit yeah. of his fruit in there and display how it works
0: yeah it's, it's a neat idea i mean it, i do i you know it's one of those almost like an overuse of technology to me but it's still a, a neat idea I just I'm I'm sitting here trying to figure out, like I'm I didn't really think about it during the episode, but now I'm like, okay, so so what's the point if the thing comes down to sever his head? I don't understand why the force field's there. Is it there to like contain the wound?
1: I thought that what was happening, yeah, maybe that's not as clear. I thought that what was happening was that his head is through the force field and when those two guard droids electrocute it, the force field goes into overdrive mode. And becomes something that can sever a head, you know.
0: Oh, I guess so. See, I was thinking that it was it was still severing the head like an axe would. Right.
1: But they're blunt, so I don't I don't know I, how that would work. I mean that would be <laughs> that would be even more gruesome if they were if they were actually just physically smashing his head off both you know, one from one side and one from the other. That would be gruesome even for the clone Wars, you know, which hasn't been afraid to show some gruesome things.
0: What you're saying makes a lot more sense and I didn't I didn't actually think about that when it was happening I was just like oh it's a kind of a guillotine thing okay got it you know it's like it's almost like you just take those little shortcuts and you just go okay well that's that's that
1: well, speaking of heads being removed, Robbie Saw pulls off another Roger Droid's head in this episode, and I don't even know if I'm supposed to be as entertained by that as I am, but, you know, maybe well, what that might say about me, but all I can re- do is report my observations on both the show and the way I watch the show, and that's for you and the rest of the troops to judge me on. But also speaking of technology stuff, I really dug the reveal that the devices Lux and Ahsoka had planted earlier in the episode weren't detonators but hollow projectors. because mm-hmm. when they were planting them at first, I was thinking, these are in public public places. What's actually going on here? And, you know, this is Lux and Ahsoka doing it, so you're thinking they're not doing actual, you know, terrorism where they're putting civilians in danger, are they? And so I thought that was a cool reveal that they were actually just hollow projectors. And I also liked how the rebels are wearing hooded robes over their combat gear now when they're on in public, Robbie. So that's another immediate step up from the previous episode for me. So, yeah, there was a ton of things about this episode that I liked. And, I mean, going back maybe a little to that idea of hurting civilians and at the risk of getting a little bit political there is a conversation to be had especially for the more junior side of the audience maybe about the differences between terrorism and other types of insurgency because this word is brought up several times in this episode and a previous episode And maybe there's a conversation about how terrorism, in its most meaningful sense, is violence which is intentionally targeted against civilians. And that's not something these rebels are doing. I mean, the terror part of terrorism refers to the terror felt by civilians, right? The goal being to get the populace so fearful that they push for political change at some level. And of course, what authorities like King Raj do is to spin attacks against infrastructure and military targets, which is what... Steelers rebels are doing as if they are just as morally abhorrent as attacks on civilians so they just want to tar their opponents with the terrorist brush even if what they're doing isn't you know what I guess what I think of as terrorism I mean this is a loaded word as well but for me the thing that defines terrorism is that it is targeted against civilians and Steelers rebels are not doing that but King Rash still wants to label them as terrorists and it's interesting that it's not just that he's doing this in public he's not going out in public and announcing to the public that we will fight these terrorists. He even does it when he's delivering his word to his inner circle. Like when he tells General Tandon and Kalani and the others assembled there early in the episode, we do not negotiate with terrorists. He's not doing that to get propaganda or to get spin out to the public. He's just doing that to his inner circle as well.
0: Well, and I think it's one of those things that if you hear something enough... It's true to you. You know what I mean?
1: Sure. He might even believe it himself. It's one of those things as well. I mean, he, like I said, he's not doesn't seem like a very bright guy. Yeah. So he probably, you know, in his mind, maybe they are terrorists and they're evil. It's interesting that you put it that way, though, about the
0: idea of terrorism. And it's one of those things that makes Saw eventually such a polarizing character. Right. Even within the rebellion. is because he doesn't seem to care. He doesn't seem to care about the distinction. And the way that you just described that is actually really... It's just an—it's very astute observation. So I applaud you on that. It's thanks, Robbie. Yeah, you're welcome. It's—it's it's just one of those things where, again, this is a kids' show, and we're talking about terrorism. Yeah. I mean, it's such an interesting thing to do, and uh, I mean, there's just so many different things here that to unpack. I mean, like I love that it almost takes the destruction of the entire rebellion for Tandon to finally make his choice right. to join them and to protect them and then you see that ahsoka was r- just about to overstep her boundaries and that's what i love about the way that they include the jedi in this and they include it with ahsoka because you know ahsoka wants to help she wants to yeah i mean you can tell she wants to help and she wants to be involved in this but she can't her orders are to not be involved and she was about to throw it all away and do it anyway yeah. and Tandon making his choice prevented her from doing that i love that there's so many different levels of cool character choices that come into play in this episode. It's really, really good. And then, finally, you know, when Tannin's about to basically be taken down, Ahsoka jumps in, does the whole... her whole crazy force push, and makes it known to the Separatists that, okay, we, we've got Jedis involved now, so we've got to double our efforts, which is going to make it even more dangerous, so it's, it's like a constant tug of war of the choices that Ahsoka is forced to make, and it just elevates the whole thing and escalates all the violence as well.
1: Yeah, I think I mentioned in the last episode about how Ahsoka had already really blown her cover. You know, she's been jumping around with her lightsabers in the last episode, and even in the previous episode when those droids invade, you know, there are three Jedis there, and so... The idea that the King Rash still doesn't understand that there are Jedi's until this moment is a little bit goofy. Like, how? why wouldn't it have been reported back by someone? It's like, you see a lightsaber swinging around, you know, you know what that is. So that moment didn't work as a revelation for me, unless we lean on the thing where King Rash is kind of dumb. And I like leaning on that thing, so <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to go with it. But each of those sort of moments that you were just talking about can come back to what Anakin says about how purpose must come before feelings and he's sort of talking about it in that moment specifically with regard to Ahsoka's feelings for Lux but it also works when you apply it to her feelings that she wants to jump in and fight for the rebels who you know she says she feels responsible for them and in a way maybe even Tandon is going through that same thing he's up there and he's thinking about what is his purpose and how does that work with or against his feelings but that that purpose must come before feelings idea is sort of nicely woven throughout the episode and speaking of little Ahsoka moments in the episode I also like that little moment she has with Lux at the end that's related to her jumping in with Lux says Ahsoka I knew you couldn't resist a good fight, she says, am I becoming that predictable, and Lex says, only to me, which is sweet, but, you know, only is going to make things more complicated, it feels like, I don't know, I just thought it was a cute moment, you know, I'm sort of rooting for both of these kids, and I just, I don't know, I like that moment yeah
0: it's just fun to watch i mean it's it's almost you know sad to say but ahsoka's kind of in torment this whole episode yeah (laughs) well this whole arc really and she wants she wants to help i mean i think she believes in the cause but she also has those feelings for lux and the way that she deals with things is really fun to see especially if you love ahsoka as a character it's fun to see that kind of drama play out
1: speaking of things that are fun to see Roby, what was your favorite shot of the soft war
0: well, for me, I already kind of I already kind of said it. It's uh, Saw, you know, taking out that AAT at the beginning. It's my favorite, uh, I guess you could say, sequence of the episode. I just really, really enjoyed the way that that played out. It's awesome.
1: I think most of that sequence is one shot, isn't it? I think after that shot where we follow him in, it cuts to that sort of front-on shot. And that whole move, I'm pretty sure it takes place in one shot. So, uh, yeah, that counts, Robbie. I'll allow it. But I also like the long continuous shot when they rescue Dendup. It follows Lux up the steps yeah. and then it pans to Steela as she tells Dendup they're there to rescue him. And then it goes back to Lux and he's waxing fools. And then it goes to Kalani in the smoke. And Saw rises up to take Kalani out. And remember, this is the guy that's been torturing him before he escapes himself. You know, Kalani was torturing Saw. Now Saw gets the. To- knock Kalani out and then the shot isn't finished yet it turns and it moves on to Dono and she's busting out the EMP bursts and it's just a super thrilling action shot that I also watched about five times just like I watched the anti-tank scene from Sora about five times but my favourite shot of the episode is more of a symbolic thing than anything i guess it's steela appearing through the smoke on the top of that stricken droid transport that they've just taken out and she says Mm. do not be afraid brothers and sisters we mean you no harm and i got goosebumps because it's not just that shot itself it's also that that shot is set up with shots of the people on the street being scared a couple holding each other close with worried faces the little twila girl crying to her mother so that's almost like the moment where steela emerged from you know where i previously just thought well she's a nice person and she's really good with a rifle you know it's fun to watch her shoot things but that was the moment where she didn't just emerge from the spoke as a badass leader she emerged as a character that all of a sudden she had a hook and i became pretty big Steela fan so that's my favorite shot of the episode robbie but before we bring this one in for a landing we need to sum up and give our ratings so after your what is this your fifth sixth how many times have you watched the softball before robbie this might be
0: four Maybe five? I'm not sure. I can't remember. It feels like I've watched it like five times, but not exactly sure. I think it's four times.
1: Well, let's just say on this most recent watch of the soft war, how did you like it? And where does the soft war sit on that four-star Robbie scale?
0: Well, I think this one is probably the strongest episode in the arc. So I think I'm going to give this one... I'm going to give this one a 3.4 out of four. I just really enjoy all of the dynamics between the characters and the way that... I mean, we've talked about the interesting throne room scene with all of those characters and their dynamics and and then you know saw making headway with Tandon I think was a really well written sequence too I mean I just really enjoyed the character moments in this episode so uh so yeah there you go
1: yeah I have this at eight thermal detonators dropped into droid tanks by Saul Guerrero. out of 10 I, mean, I even was pushing up there this is a high eight let's just say i mean i don't do decimals maybe i should but if i was i'd maybe be calling this and i don't know let's just say it's a high eight that's a solid very solid eight there's a few things that maybe bump me a little bit but apart from that there's a ton of really solid things in this episode there's a ton of things that are legit great and or awesome so a definite win and definitely the strongest episode of the arc so far for me and that's mission accomplished for season 5 episode 4 the soft war so Robbie if the troops out there want to tell us how much they enjoy or don't enjoy the soft war what are our communications channels
0: alright we are Bucho and Robbie at gmail twitter and instagram that's b-u-c-h-o-a-n-d-r-o-b-b-y
1: yes sir and of course the troops can join us again next time for the 92nd episode in the starwars.com clone wars chronology season 5 episode 5 tipping points and until then this is your old buddy show alongside your trusty pal Robbie and we salute Dono and her sacrifice and we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com
0: May the force be with you.